Welcome to The Business Grind, where we give you an inside perspective on what it takes to start, build, and run a successful business. Here are your hosts, Danny Shaw and Sean Michael Wellington. Hello to everyone in podcast land today. Thanks for joining us. Sean, how are you feeling? I'm feeling great, and I'm excited for our first guest. All right, same here. All right, so today's uh, today's episode, we are interviewing Mark Tester. He's the founder of the Mark Steven Experiential Agency. Um, I'm definitely excited to talk to him today. Um, not only, you know, he's our first guest for the show, which we're looking, which we're happy about. Um, I've known Mark for a few years, you know, seen the work that he's done over the, over the time working for various companies. And, uh, you know, he's just a good friend of the room. So welcome, Mark. How's it going? Doing well. Thank you. Thanks All for right. having me as your first guest. I'm no, excited. Oh, guys. no problem. Thank you. Thanks for joining us. All right. So. Um, you know, I think it would be better maybe, you know, if you int- uh, just kind of explained what you do and what your business is for the people who may not be aware on what an experiential agency is. Yeah, sure. So uh, Mark Steven Experiential is a, an event design and production company. So we produce events for uh, corporations, uh, nonprofits, uh, primarily marketers who need to create a positive, immediate, and direct connection with influential consumers. Mm-hmm. So that could be anything from, uh, you know, festivals to uh, uh, activations, uh, uh, fundraisers. Uh, but we do we do primarily focus on on marketers and, and marketing. Hey, can you give us some examples of some like the noteworthy events and experiences you worked on so far? Yeah, so uh, one of the big ones we work on is the Essence Festival, and within the Essence Festival, we work on the um, the beauty and style section. So we create the world in which they then sell their beauty sponsors. So we design this whole experience, which is from stage to the layout, uh, the de- design. Um, we take the brand, we take the Essence branding, we make that you know blow it up huge, kind of figure out the flow. We staff it. We then, in addition to that, we work with some of their sponsors within that space. For example, we work with Carol's daughter and L'Oreal within that space to build out their experience. So like a trade show, it's almost like a trade show booth or an activation where they can they can show up their product, but it has to be a very branded experience. So people will come and they get a real sense of what the event is. Mm-hmm. Um, some of the other stuff we do, we do a lot with the Empire State Building. Um, that is, they do a lot of events for, um, for example, uh, real estate actually brokers to get people into buildings to um, show off the space. So we do all their events. Uh, we work with a lot of their exhibits that go on in, in their uh, space. Um, so we've done that for over 10, 10 years now with them. Mm. So they're one of our big clients. Mm. Oh, nice, very nice. So how did you how did you get into this? How what was the journey and path that put you on this? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah it's a, very long journey. So I, I, I came to New York. I wanted to be a set designer in theater. So I had a first. I had a, a graphic design background, and I moved to New York to be a set designer. Love three D design. Mm. Did that, um, you know, in some off Broadway stuff for a little bit, and then I was like, God, oh, this this is not paying so well. And then there was like another three year program that I had to get involved in, and I tried that out for a bit. And I was like, you know what, set design is kind of like window displays. So I got a job at Macy's. I got lucky when I first moved here working window displays at Macy's for a couple of years. And then that branched off into working at Bergdorf Goodman and Ralph Lauren. Um, and those window displays were always tied to marketing. And Mark, we started doing like fragrance launches and you can see how some of that money was being 
used and, and really being pushed over in that direction to promote these new products. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was like, it's like, well, it's kind of like stage, it's kind of like theater, but it was, it was window display. Mm-hmm. So I started doing that, um, did that for a few years and then decided, you know, this, I, even though I had a, a design background, I was like, you know, the world, I live in New York and I have to function mm-hmm. um, as a business owner. I can't, say, hey, I'm an artist. There's a certain way I wanted to live. Mm-hmm. If I wanted, and I you know, decided, hey, I'm going to live in New York. I have to, you know, you, you walk down the street and you're like, this is how I, you know, I want to live here. I want to have an apartment here. I want to have a life here. So you, you got to make a certain amount of money. You got to figure this out. It's like, the world revolved around business. So mm-hmm. I then went back to school for an MBA mm-hmm. in marketing. So then I merged the business with the uh, design. And then I had something I thought was kind of unique because I was able to do both. Mm. Um, and then from there, I, I was off, I started doing some freelance work. So I had the design background and the theatrical background uh, for Fashion Week back in with CFDA. They were a, um, they're still the nonprofit. I think it's owned by IMG now, but you know, I was in the early stages when they used to take over Bryant Park. And we started working in the lobby, um, doing some of the brand activations. So the sponsors would come in, um, people like American Express, um, Mercedes-Benz would come in and I would be their point person. I was like, well, this is kind of cool. You know, you started seeing this sponsorship branding thing at events. It was one of the big events. Right. So then from there, I was, I, I met these people. Uh, one of the magazines at the time was, was Details Magazine. And they were part of Condé Nast, which was like GQ, Vanity Fair, all those. And they had, they had bought a sponsorship and whoever was designing their, their lounge, for example, in fashion, we kind of really screwed it up. So I was able to come in and help them quickly because I was already on site um, working. Uh, and that turned into a freelance job working at Details Magazine and Condé Nast. And, you know, they had freelance, you know, a few months out of the year turned mm-hmm. into a full-time job over at, at, at Details. And then Details folded. Mm-hmm. Um, they came one day and they, they closed the magazine. But they were like, hey, you know, at that time, uh, magazines would would place you another magazine. So since they had a whole group of different magazines, they offered me the opportunity to go to Condé Nast Traveler. So to do their events, which was pretty cool because it sent me all over the world producing events. And I think that was one of the big training grounds for me. Mm. Um, you know, you would, you would be dropped in a country and start figure it out. You're going to do some client entertaining, um, find the restaurants, or we're going to do a trade show. Um, can you, you know, learn everything you can about a country and you don't you don't have the luxury of what you would have here in the united states you could go to home depot you can do anything you have to rely on relationships right. with hotel people and carers who, who are already there so you know it was, it was very cool you know you know five years doing that uh you know got to travel see the world you know only stay at the best places like uh, you know the ritz carlton because they were a client mm. uh and then from there i was like you know i can i think i can do this on my own um you know you start getting involved in the politics of corporate America. Right. Um, I mean, those of you guys know work at Essence, you know, you work at a big company or Time Inc., you know, it, it starts playing on you. It's like, I, I think I can do this myself. So started, um, you know, reaching out to the, the magazines that I already knew. And I was like, hey, I'm, I'm branching out. Uh, I'd like to, you know, offer my services. Uh, and then started working some other magazines at Condé Nast, um, you know, as an individual, just freelancer, mm-hmm. and then doing some stuff for Time Inc. as a freelancer. Um, and just kind of keep branching out from there. And then years, you know, as time went by, we got some more clients, uh, you know, as, as, as uh, 
things changed. We then got the, the, the magazine or the publishing world shifted a bit. Right. You know, we started branching out with them because that wasn't, it didn't, it, it wasn't a growing industry anymore. Right. So we started doing some other stuff with some of the, you know, looking for the big corporations, for example, like we started to do some tech, tech stuff. Um, like I said, the Empire State Building was an opportunity. They came to us early on. They're like, hey, do you, we, I knew them through a PR firm and uh, their internal PR department uh, came to me and they're like, hey, you know, do you know how to do window displays? I'm like, well, yeah, I used to do that. And they had a window displays when they were revamping the entire building and doing some renovation. They're like, hey, can you do it? And I said, yeah, sure. So we started doing that. And here we are, you know, like 15 years, almost 15 years later, 10, 10 plus, Very you know, nice. we started branching out and doing all their other events. So, you know, it really kind of, events kind of take me all over. Mm -hmm. You know, we'll still do Essence Festival, which takes us back to, when we work with them at Time Inc., they were one of the few clients that we've known for so long and we've kind of grown with them. Mm -hmm. So as a fest, as once we got into the festival, we were able to grow a different way and then work in some of the beauty beauty brands that we were introduced over there and work with that. Yeah. Um, some of the other things we do are like tech conferences because now tech, because of our fashion background, tech wanted to be cool. They wanted to be like Apple. So that, <laughs> gave us, that gave us a new angle here. So now we can design and produce some of these tech events. That's kind of cool. Yeah, very nice. Everyone yeah. wants to be like Apple, right? <laughs> yeah, everybody's like, everybody wants to be Apple. You know, they all want to be Apple. Right, right. Yeah, very, very nice. Um, is it, I, you know, I don't think I was aware of the business um, and design background, which is so interesting because, you know, that's, that's the same perspective that I come from, especially when I, you know, teaching my students or working with clients is, you know, design and business are, are intertwined. You really can't separate those two, even though it sounds like Mark's a little more of a creative though. Not to, um, not oh, yeah, to, yeah. Not to downplay no, Danny. Yeah. Oh, no. <laughs> here, here in the, the path, it sounds like you were creative first and you kind of used the business as a pivot to kind of mm -hmm. be profitable almost. Right. Yeah, that's true. I mean, I still have find myself a creative, but I'll tell you something. Sometimes when I went to the MBA, people like, oh, I can't believe you're doing this. I'm like, I found that super creative. One of my favorite classes was economics. Mm. I was like, who would have thought? I mean, I'm fascinated by it, mm. you know, and how things run. And, you know, and then when you, but when you get into your own business, though, even the stuff you, you learn as an MBA kind of falls apart, too. Mm -hmm. The real world is way different than, <laughs> yes. than what they teach you. Mm. So it's They've had to learn a lot right. the hard way. Oh, okay. Um, now, when you, real quick, um, when you got into your, when you launched your own business and, you know, branched away from the corporate America, what was your first, like, large, successful project? Like, you mentioned some of the window designs, but I feel like there's always that one project where you kind of know, all right, I'm, I'm for real now. So did you have that? Yeah, it took me a while to, I, to, to think I was for real. I don't know. It took about years. But, you know, I, I, I think... First, well, I think when I started working in the magazines, I think I was doing some stuff within Style magazine, which was, you know, one of the first like real magazines outside of the people that I knew mm -hmm. um, who were actually hiring me for what I knew. Um, I think that that was one of the big ones. Um, you know, I think we were doing some stuff out in, you know, in California. I was like, oh wow, somebody's flying me to California to do a project. This is really cool. So they must trust me and you know like all right you, you, you get this imposter syndrome which mm. they talk about now and you're like oh, i hope they don't catch on but you know <laughs> I, I i think now i'm like yeah i know my stuff i've been doing this long enough um so uh, it, and and i think 
too, I, the first year out, um, I kind of eased into it before I went a hundred percent. My daughter was, uh, was already born and she was about a year old. I had to get permission from my wife, you mm. know, to, to, to finally do it. Mm. Hey, you know, this is, this is what I, I got to do. And I had to prove it to her that, Hey, I, I, I will do what I got to do. And, mm. and having a child or a family you need to answer to is a huge motivator. It's funny you talk about imposter syndrome because I feel like, you know, all of us who have a business have to deal with that. And at least me personally, my my biggest cure for that, if there is anyone, is preparation. I feel like if I over, overly prepare for every situation, every casualty, everything that can go wrong, I feel somewhat more comfortable into one of those big projects or those big situations. Um, do you kind of have a tip or do you have something you'd use when you feel that pressure of, man, they're going to find out? Yeah, I mean, I, I do, when I have a, you know, as a, an event kind of marketer, we do have to pitch now. As, and as the clients get bigger, we have to pitch harder, um, more, more uh, if we just said a pitch for L'Oreal, and it was like, you know, huge procurement, RFPs, the whole thing. Mm-hmm. No stress me out still. They, you give me the project, I will do that anytime. Those are these, what we, to physically do the job is super you know, we're used to it mm-hmm. preparing for these projects. And I guess it's because of that, that I need to, you're hyper aware that you need to not only be prepared, you need to come across prepared. Mm-hmm. Um, and there you just, I stress over that, you know, still to this day, you know, I, I also did a mm-hmm. presentation at Essence, even though I knew everybody in the room, you know, I had to just, hey, I took them back. I'm like, guys, this is this is who we are. This is what we do. And, you know, reinforce everything. Mm-hmm. Um, and then always, you know, try to watch other people. Uh, you know, I, I, I'm always like reading up on, on different, um, you know, business leaders and stuff. It's like, how do they do it? Or reading different books on pitching or, or imposter syndrome or at coaches. And I'm like, I've had to learn a lot. But yeah, it, you know, I don't think I'm ever really prepared. I figure if I get the job, I think we must have done something right. Hmm. I kind of wanted to ask you about one of your displays that I saw on your website. Because um, I remember it stood out to me when I, I used to work in, at, for Time Inc. And I would walk through the Oculus all the time. Um, for those of you familiar with the Oculus down um, by World Trade Center. And there was this Bright display for the, movie, the Netflix movie Bright. So that was your company, correct? That was us, yeah. Okay. I, I always thought it was so interesting because, you know, that movie was such a phenomenon during the Christmas break i guess you want to call it but at the time the display i think went up maybe what late october early november so i had no idea what the context of it was and it was really it was just interesting it was a very well i'll let you describe this since you did it <laughs> so tell yeah, us about yeah that. i mean it, it it was and this is an, another example like because you're, you're doing, doing some projects with the magazine i think it was entertainment weekly who was the magazine so they had done a deal with netflix so an advertising thing, and I think one of their active, one of their thing was to produce a, a lounge experience during the Christmas holiday season around the new movie Bright. So they had come to us, and they're like, and they pretty much just say, hey, you know, you'll be working with us in Netflix, and they want to create this cool lounge experience shopping. We don't have much for you other than, you know, we want people to put on headphones. Uh, here's the logo. And I'm like, okay. So um, I mean, one of the hard things about that was, you know, I think, was the Oculus because we were one of the first to do the Oculus um, mm-hmm. in the event in there. And it was so new. Um, you know, they have so many restrictions. So, you know, I only, I went to my vendors who, who built some of the fits. We designed it, you know, we cleared it with them, you know, and I remember these conversations even with, with uh, Entertainment Weekly as well as, uh, um, 
Netflix because they had some key art they wanted to show off, and one was like Will Smith holding a gun. I'm like, this okay, is so that's who you had to clear it with. I thought you had to. Uh, did, did you have to clear it with the TSA too? Because I know they have. Oh their god, yes, yeah. Uh, TSA it was it was the um, uh, Port Authority. So I'm like, guys, I can't, you know, they really wanted this image of this gun. I'm like, this is this is the World Trade Center. You cannot be doing that. And then nobody <laughs> believed me. And I was like, I cannot have, I was like, All right, I'll let you do your thing, but I'm going to show you, you know. So everything we did, we would design, and then it would go to the Port Authority, who would then approve it. Mm. We had to have engineers engineer the entire thing. There's certain weight limits. There's, I think, the, you can't scratch things. They have, you had to use some of their, their vendors. It was union. Uh, we can only work at certain times. Um, I think we had to clear that thing out on Christmas Eve. And I'm like, oh, guess we're working Christmas Eve. Mm. Um, but we were happy with it. I mean, we everybody seemed pretty happy. It, it became this cool little lounge experience. Uh, you know, people came in after shopping. They sit down. Um, they were able to, you know, put on, do watch trailers for the movie, uh, put some headphones on, listen to the listen to the, the music, as well as, you know, I think there was a chance to win, like, some Will Smith sneakers or something. Now, (laughs) now with a situation like that, because like I said, that movie was a phenomenon over the break. Like that was, you know, a big hit for Netflix. But from your standpoint, I mean, what what kind of metrics do you have to provide, if any, or what's what's the successful activation from the um, from their standpoint, from the buyer standpoint? Well, that was an interesting one. I mean, I think because we were one step removed, we weren't dealing directly with Netflix. We were doing through Entertainment Weekly. One of the big things, uh, so we ultimately have, as long as we physically had had it in space, had it physically had it there, and people came in, they were they were happy, they satisfied their needs, mm-hmm. and there was exposure. It was very. I, I think a lot of the metrics came from the Oculus itself, because they had everything. You know, thousands of people come through per day at the Oculus. I'm like, okay, so they just grabbed onto that, and that's why we did it there. Um, okay. What we had to do, we did have to click through how many people came through the line, how many people sat there mm-hmm. every day. Um, I think what we do now at Essence, particularly now, we're far more um, conscious of it. You know, when, when L'Oreal and some of these, now we're working directly with the clients. Now they want to know how many people came in, how long did were they there, how many products gave away, how many, and it gets, and, and as we put further into technology, it's like. You know, how many, um, you know, likes did they get? Or how many impressions? It just keeps going on and on. And, and we mm-hmm. kind of have to ask the client, what are they at, What are they looking for? Right. Um, events are hard, to, are hard to manage, are hard to quantify sometimes. We try because mm-hmm. they definitely need to get their ROI. Um, but, you know, we, we, we try. A lot of it just really how many people come through. And I think that's, for example, the Essence Festival. Mm-hmm. You know, they're already saying 30,000 people are coming through the door. So it's just going there. And then everybody wants to see, well, of those 30,000, how many people came through our booth? And then we kind of have to do the math from there. Right. And that's, I think that was the same at the Oculus. And like, you know, 5 million people come through per day. I was like, well, you didn't really get 5 million in our booth, but maybe we got, you know, <laughs> we got a couple hundred, but let's, you, you kind of have to manage those expectations right, going right. into it. That, Sean, that, that refers back to our vanity metrics <laughs> conversation. Yeah. <laughs> right. Um, and I imagine having that closer relationship with the client, like like you said, you're not really, some situations you're not directly dealing with them, in some situations you are. So it kind of has, a, it's a double-edged sword, right? Because they expect more of you if you are. Yeah, I, I think the challenge is you got to kind of grab, you have to find why they're doing events in the first place. Um, 
you know, we, we, we do some events where it's all about how many people came through the door. And then we do other events where they may have, you know, 20 people, but they're all influencers. And, and it's not about, it's more of the quality of the people than the quantity of the people. And a lot of times they're the ones, the clients, the one bringing the people. And then we have to make sure they're, they're getting everything out of it. Right. So, uh, and those influencers events, those are, those are becoming far more popular um, right now because they want to get the right people. And then those, those 20 people can tell, you know, 2 million people. Right. I would like, I would like to just switch up, you know, just change gears for just a second. I know we was talking about the business and the client side of things, but you did touch upon as you were transitioning to, you know, doing this quote unquote for real, you know, the conversation you had to have, you had with your wife to try to convince her. I don't know if, you know, try to convince her, but just to have that conversation and be like, Hey, I'm really going to go in on this. Um, could you speak more to that? Cause I know there's like a lot of times when, especially whether it is couples or just people yeah. you know, trying to get support yeah. from the family. You yeah. Know. I, I mean, I, I think it's definitely a conversation has to be had. I mean, I think if you're single and doing your thing, you're, you got a little easier. Mm-hmm. I actually think it's a little easier now. I mean, you look at the WeWorks and, and, and things, everybody's like doing their thing. And, um, you know, when I started about 15 years ago, going on your own wasn't as highly looked upon. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there's all these fantasy stories of like the Steve Jobs, but you know, to, to actually break free of a corporate America um, insurance and all of that, um, I had to have a deep conversation with my wife. Right. You know, I, I, you know, luckily she had insurance and I was able to, to, you know, hold that. Um, we both work, but I, I, I was like, look, this is, this is what I really want to do. And I can no longer feel comfortable in this, in the corporate environment. And I, I, I told her too, it's like, I don't feel I can go any further. Mm-hmm. I, I've reached my limit. Um, you know, unless I want to be a publisher, which was not where I wanted to be. Right. I didn't want to be an editor. I was like, I'm, I'm the top of the, you know, the event world in that world. Um, so what I do is it, it was a promise that I needed to make to her. I was like, look, um, there's certain things I'm going to take care of, you know, there's a rent or whatever, mm-hmm. you know, there's, there's, we kind of broke our, our responsibilities up and I was like, you will, I will, you will never hear from me. I couldn't pay rent or, or I couldn't pay my credit card. I'm like, I'm going to take this on. Right. And, and this is, this is my, my motivation and, and. And, and I, I think we had a deal too. It's like if this doesn't work in five years, you're out. You know, we you go find a job. That was that was um, actually going to be my next question. So yeah, good. <laughs> good um. I, I think that I think that coming back to me, yeah, I think she's like five years. If it doesn't work, uh, you're out. And you know, it, it's hard for people. There's I think there's two types of people. I think there's those who who are who are entrepreneurial and have who can go out and and. I don't want to say hustle, but you, you, you got to do it. You got to get out there. You, you it, It's hard. It's uncertainty. And then there's certain people that, hey, they like the corporate world and that's fine. Mm-hmm. You know, um, I, 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 I don't know if the two can mix sometimes. I, I think sometimes somebody can cross over. Um, but, but, you know, like my wife, she loves, she, she works at a bank and she's a lawyer. She, 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 she likes the, the confines of the corporate world mm-hmm. um, I I, can't, I don't like it right. <laughs> you know, don't put me in a cubicle um, I, I just can't 
Um, I don't like the politics. And luckily, the, even the work that we do, I'm able to you know, work with a client for three, four months and then go right. and move to somebody else. But yeah, I, I think that it was the five-year mark. And, and I was like, look, we're still in business. I've paid all my bills. You know, she does hear me complain sometimes. She's mm-hmm. like, well, you can work at a full-time job. I'm like, well, hell no. I'm not, <laughs> no, 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 no. It's not like that, you know? Right. So like it's bad, you know, but it's I, not that bad. Oh. <laughs> not bad. And I, I, I tell you what, I still get my mom. So call me sometimes. And how are you doing? I'm like, Mom, I'm doing okay. You okay. <laughs> you know, it's like, cause they don't, they have no sense of, of having your own business. My, you know, my dad didn't do it. My mm-hmm. mom didn't do it. Mm-hmm. Nobody in the family did it. You know, everybody back in the day, you got a job and you stayed in that job and you retired. Right. I was like, I'm okay. Mm-hmm. You know, we're making, we're making money. We're surviving. So, you know, like, Right. Like, okay. And they can't, nobody can question it now. Right. Because you're you know, not asking them for help. <laughs> like yeah. And I'm, and I'm very careful what I say too. I mean, mm-hmm. I think this, this, this COVID thing is, is throwing me, but mm-hmm. you know, I'm not about to go out and tell people, you know, I don't always, if I'm stressed or something, I don't go telling everybody. Right. And I, I particularly don't always tell my wife or, or my family because they, it stresses them out and, mm-hmm. You know, they can't live in that uncertainty. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Well, you, you did. So you have you mentioned COVID. Um, so, you know, could you speak on how that is impacting your industry right now? Like what has the shift been uh, or, you know, the uh, conversations early on so far? Oh, God. Yeah. <laughs> it has shifted. It is it basically every project we have has been canceled. So mm. that makes you feel for the year. Wow. And, and well, it's been it keeps getting pushed and pushed and pushed and looks like um you know, things are probably not going to open up until 2021. Mm-hmm. I and mean, that's kind of what I'm seeing. Mm-hmm. Um, luckily, we here, because a lot of the projects that we work on, they're long production lead times, so mm-hmm. three, four months. So, mm-hmm. you know, we, we ultimately get paid for if it's branding or layouts or design. We do all that. So by the time we actually get to the event, we're done. Mm-hmm. So if I'm working on a project for four or five months, we, we have already we finished ninety percent of the job. Right. So and and we've collected most of those, um, you know, stuff in the early. We had a, a, a some bunch of tech conferences for early part of the year, which is pretty much now. They would have actually started to actually happen mm-hmm. on the end of this month into next month, and they they've all been canceled or moved to convert uh, to virtual. So we had already done most of the work end of 2019 so we did get paid for most of the work we did Mm -hmm. um so we were okay and then what we're gonna what we've done is we've actually shifted and been assisting them in some of the virtual stuff which is new to us right um so we know their branding already so we were gonna like for example we created a set design for a stage well now we're shifting that design and you know, you'll like this, Danny. Now we're designing their their homepage for their virtual. Oh, excuse me. Um, they're, they're, <laughs> exactly. I'm like, and and my thought, my thinking is like, you know, because of the situation, we're just going to say yes. We're going to have to figure it out because right. this is what this is what's here. Mm-hmm. I don't I don't know what the rest of the year holds, um, but we're gonna we're gonna definitely push push towards the idea of um, shifting and design and yeah. branding. Definitely. And then when everything, and then also keeping, keeping in touch with everybody, our clients on a regular basis, mm-hmm. we're here for them. We're here for you. When everything, when the world gets back in order, we're, we're ready for you. Cause we, we technically had contracts that are ready to go and we're just 
technically on hold or postponed. So we'll just have to wait and then kind of ride it out. Mm -hmm. A little scary, but I think we'll be fine. Can you speak about how many of your clients are, you know, referral versus how many you get through like advertising? I would say 90, 95% referrals, which it should be more okay. of something else. Um, probably a little heavy. I, I, you know, we, we don't need thousands of clients. We need a few clients, good clients. Mm. Um, but like I said, you know, starting in the magazine world, on the advertising side, we were involved with the magazines and then each magazine had an advertiser and that advertiser, some we went with, or then we worked for an agency who was with that advertiser. We then went with them. If that person leaves, they go over there and it kind of, it kind of spiders out. And I think, I think that's because we've done this for like 15 years, we now have a network that's large enough. Um, so I think that's helped us advertising. It's, still trying to figure this out. We are probably doing more, we're definitely doing social media. I mean, I, I think that's where we've shipped all our attention, mm-hmm. trying to build content, um, way more, way, way more social media. And we, we have, we're trying to put three to four things out a week, um, showing work that we've done. And, you know, I don't know. Interesting. I, I, I definitely have actually seen an uptick when once we started going towards this, like consciously figuring out what social media was doing for us. And we definitely saw a shift up. And I think we always knew people knew we were there, but they weren't always thinking of of us first. So I think once they started seeing us on a regular basis on social media, they're like, Oh, what about Mark Steven? And then it started, the ball started rolling a little better. There was a, it was a bit of a lull and then social media kicked in because we were only working with the same people. So in order to get new people, we had to, actually just make them aware we were here. Um, but I think that's one of the challenges I still have is trying to, you know, get new clients, new, you know, get rid of some of the ones that are, we don't necessarily, they're not always good clients, but finding better clients. How is your uh, business structured? Um, are you an LLC or an S-Corp? We're an LLC. LLC, okay. And that was just, uh, why did you choose to make it uh, that distinction? Uh, first, I was a sole proprietor. That's when I started, and I think 2014 we switched to an LLC. You know, I spoke with my my um, accountant. Um, he felt from a tax perspective it was better. I think my wife then became. He said it was better as a partnership. My wife then owned. She got five percent of the business, and I got the ninety-five. So that makes it a partnership. Um, it's strictly for tax reasons. I, you know, it's, I, I, the S Corp seemed a little complicated and unnecessarily taxed at the time. Okay, makes sense. I would, um, so I just want to jump in for a second. So, you know, you mentioned, um, you know, your, your temperament or, you know, your personality. Um, and over the years that, you know, that I've known you and, and worked with you, you know, one thing that always struck me, I was like, Mark always just seems calm. I, have, I don't think I've ever seen Mark frustrated or heard Mark frustrated. Or, oh, really? Or maybe, maybe I haven't frustrated you when we work together. No, you I'm like, you know, he just, every time I'm, I'm around him, he just seems calm and I try to be calm or try to most of the time be calm. But, you know, you're calm. Well, and, you know, thank you. And especially when they talk about, you know, you have these, I think usually when we hear about business personalities and especially people, you know, people that have their own business, I think a lot of times is the idea they have to be a certain cut or mold of, you know, hyper or, you know, 
I guess kind of yeah. mean, you know, like or which I don't really see um, with you. So, and especially for you being in the business and the type of business you're in for so long, how 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 would you say you know you kind of dealt with being maintaining to that core and also dealing with personalities that may not necessarily be on the same wavelength as yours. Yeah, I, I, you know, I, I was probably like you, you know, you, you hear entrepreneurs and when you think about them, you think bigger than life, always selling, selling, selling. I'm like, well, I'm not that. And I think that I, this whole imposter syndrome thing, I entered my mind. Mm -hmm. But when I think what's happened through the years, like I said, I've been doing this, you know, 15 years, um, you know, I have gotten around other entrepreneurs. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, I belong to the EO entrepreneur organization for a bit. Um, I got to meet different ones, um, and I realized that you know, and there was different. Some were calm, some were a little louder, some were some were not, some were male, some were female. Um, I realized they're all different types, you know, and it had no reflection how successful they were. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I think the press tries to pick up on on you know the bigger the life characters, right. but you know you you realize you can pretty much be who you want. It's about the knowledge that you have. Um, I think some entrepreneurs are better salespeople. I think as a salesperson, that person is usually a little bigger. I'm not that person. Um, I should probably be a little more that person, um, but I, you know, it's just not my personality. I've actually taken, you know, I had a coach too that had me do my um, my uh, like a, a personality analysis, mm -hmm. and, and they had to calm me down and say, you don't have to. This is who you are. Just this is who you are. And what they helped me do was. Um, kind of tailor the business to match my personality mm -hmm. rather than trying to fit to another mold. So if, if you're selling, you know, they, they've explained to me there are different ways to sell. I'm like, you are not the person, I'm not the person who's going to pick up the phone and say, hey, you know, let's buy from me. That's mm -hmm. that's one type of sales. Um, or another one, you're going to show people what you do if it's social media, you're going to do content, you're going to come come across as more of an authority than, than just uh, that louder bigger than life person mm -hmm. you know and there's uh, and there's other like event people who are like the personalities and they're huge you know like the big you know uh you see the wedding planners and all that i'm like right. i'm not that either so you, you, like i said it's taken me years to kind of figure out where i'm at mm -hmm. um and kind of tailor myself and then tailor the clients that want that you know i know there's clients who like the bigger than life they feel that they know more i was mm -hmm. like well then go with them Mm -hmm. um, the clients that we have now know that we know our, our we know our work and we know what we can do and we are here to help them so it, it's definitely been a journey um, I think because of how long I've done it I now feel more comfortable saying hey if you don't want to work with us that's fine right. this is who we are what, what you're going to get from us is the work it's not about me it's about what your needs are it's the work is important Mm -hmm. And hopefully that speaks stronger. So we have never, and all the clients that we have, most of our have been with us at least ten years. So mm -hmm. kind of works nicely for us. And we like our, we have to like our clients. You know, we we don't need, we can only we have capacity of so much as an event producer because it takes so much work to produce these events. Mm -hmm. So it's not like I need to find you know five to six a month. We really need just one a month. Nice ones though. But we, we've also picked our, our clients that fit us. Right. Well, 10 years, that's that's a good run. That's a <laughs> and that's a great luxury, that yeah. be able to pick who you work with, man. <laughs> so. In theory, in theory. Yeah. In theory we'll, we'll average it out. We'll say 10 years. In theory. Still.
you know, over the years that you've been doing this, uh, what would you, you know, what would you say, what was some of the biggest lessons you've learned so far? And, and was there anything that you wish you would have known, like, before you got started? Oh, God. Um, like I said, it's been a, a long journey. Mm -hmm. um, definitely, I don't think, first, I don't think anybody's done. I think you, you, you always have to keep looking. Mm -hmm. You, you got to you got to just kind of, uh, I, I think, first of all, you, you have to know the business, business, not just your, I think a lot of people, um, you know, they know, they get into business and they start on an entrepreneurial thing or business based on what they know. If it's, I don't know, whatever they make, if they design, I'm not picking on you, but say they design websites or something okay. and they know that really well, but mm -hmm. you have to know the business. You mm -hmm. really have to know how to run a business mm -hmm. um, and not just, and if you don't know, you find the people who do. So, um, you know, you get yourself a, a really find yourself a good, um, accountant. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I, I think that I've gone through a couple and I, I have, I have one I like now. Um, you know, you, you, I've got, you know, how to pay people, understand QuickBooks, you know, mm -hmm. all that stuff, you know, you can't take that for granted. And I, and I think you really should understand it. Um, I'm also still learning through, you know, I, I think, and I find this with most entrepreneurs, most business owners, there's this big thing. It's like working in the business and not on the business. And I struggle with that. Mm. I think most of them do. I mean, I think they're those who, who are really good at, you know, just being entrepreneurs and not getting their hands dirty. I'm fascinated by, mm. um, I, but I, I struggle with that. And, and, you know, I, I, I think if you can, the sooner you can figure that out, how to work on the business and not in the business, mm -hmm. the better. Um, you know, for me, I still like design, but at the same time, I can't be, I can't be a great business owner and a great designer. I have to pick one. Right. So I, I, I've, I've now shifted to becoming, admitting the fact that I'm a CEO of a company and I need to act like it. Uh. <laughs> uh, and, and, and that's hard. Cause you know, it's like, well, you know, like you said, get this idea of what a CEO is. I'm like, no, now, now I've got people, I got people who work for me. I have to act a certain way. I have to speak with them a certain way. I need to, you know, have the right things in order. I need to have my books in order. I need to have my money in order. Mm -hmm. I need to collect money and, 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 you know, get, you know, be able to sell the business and talk about it and, you know, and, and let the design and stuff go, go to somebody else, which is, is hard. So, you know, the quicker I think you can, figure the idea of, of working on the business first, mm -hmm. the better. And that's so hard. Right. I mean, yeah, that's, that's a, that's, I really think that's a great point. A lot of times, well, one, you know, people start their business, but then they don't know how to transition to running the business. They still want to be knee deep. Um, yeah. that, that's a big, that's a, that's a big, um, problem. Well, yeah, I, yeah, for sure. Yeah. You have, to, you have to know your numbers. You mm -hmm. have to be able to, you know, look at the balance sheet, know where the money will project out. Um, you know, just today, you know, with this whole virus thing and cancellation of, of some projects, I'm like, okay, let's look at the numbers. You know, how long is this, can we sustain at a certain rate? You know, mm -hmm. how fast we're going to go through money and how much money do we need? Or do we go to the government and we'll look for more money and, you know, and, and not be afraid of debt? It's like, it is what it is. And mm -hmm. we'll go from there. Um, I'm just curious. So I feel like everybody, um, regardless of their industry has their super bowl their you know 
their World Series, the big biggest win that they could, you know, their Grammy, whatever it is. So for experiential agency, uh, what would that be? What is your version of a Super Bowl for you and your company? One that I've done or one that I want to do? That you want to do. How one about both? Actually, yeah. yeah. <laughs> both. I would be interested in both. But. Well, I have worked on the Grammys. That was fun. <laughs> oh. So that, that 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 actually was fun, but we didn't we didn't make any money. I did it really strictly for the just to say I worked in the Grammys. Mm. Um, I I think it would would be to produce uh, our own um, large event. Um, you know, we the Essence Festival has become a bigger part of our our uh, projects, um, and it really kind of gets us right up up there. But I, you know, I think. We're now going more towards some of the beauty events. Mm-hmm. Um, so if you're looking at this idea of creating some of these huge activations, multi, multi-city, multi-tour projects, some of the things I'm looking at, you know, with some people who, you know, have the budgets to let us do what we want to do. Um, so, you know, if it's, if it's a L'Oreal or a Unilever or some of these big corporations that, you know, uh, you know, want these big activations and are open to it because not everybody's open to experiential agencies um, mm-hmm. and to experiential programs. So, you know, to work with those would be great to, you know, have something at that scale. All right. Well, I, um, I think we're, we're, we're about done with our time for this uh, interview. But mm-hmm. um, thank you, Mark. We appreciate you coming on to the show, sharing your experiences, uh, you know, your sure. insight. As far as, yeah, thank you. Thank you. As thank far you as guys. getting into business. It's fun. Yeah. Uh, um, and just speaking on, you know, a lot of things that I'm sure a lot of our audience members are considering and just trying to understand, you know, as far as starting a business, some things they need to consider. As we say, you know, we like to just talk about the stuff that doesn't get romanticized or <laughs> spoke about in regards to starting a business. So I think this is very helpful. Um, we will uh, we'll put Mark's information on the link to our podcast uh, so you can go check out his work and his social media his website so you can see all the great work that he's been doing um over the years while he's been in the business uh or if you're binge watching you know on netflix and you see bryce roll by maybe you that remind you yeah, go check go. the website out yes so. there you go that was mark's stuff there uh anything you would like to say mark uh on words or social media no i, I just want to thank you guys you know as i said I, I i to me there's nothing better than your own business mm-hmm. um it's hard right um but you know i think the rewards are pretty cool okay um you know, but it's risky, but I think it's worth it. All right. Well, there we go. Part words from Mark Tester. C- right. CEO Mark Tester. CEO yeah. Mark Tester. <laughs> All right. Don't make me laugh. All right. I'll talk to you guys later. Bye. All right. So that's a wrap on this week's episode with Mark Tester, founder of Mark Steven Experimental Agency. Hopefully, you were able to pick up on some insights from this conversation on what goes into starting your own business. If you have a question you would like us to answer on the show, shoot us a message on any of our social media channels or shoot us an email at questions at businessgrindshow.com. That's questions at businessgrindshow.com. See you again soon. In the meantime, keep grinding. The Business Grind is for entertainment purposes. Opinions expressed are those solely of the host and guests. Please consult with a professional and exercise discretion before engaging in any business endeavors.